Hello, baby. Good. I'm trying to think of like a third. Like it's morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, good supper time. Good supper time. Good, good supper time, everybody. GST. Hey, wait. When's Rolex gonna stop the GMT and make the GST? They should. The Great Supper Time. <laughs> the Great. Yeah. And the so great it's a it's, it's a rotating bezel that tells you exactly how far away uh, dinner time or so, sorry supper time is. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's not the G, that's not the GDT. Right? Yeah. So let's, uh, that's a completely well, thought, different watch, and it's ten thousand dollars more. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was thinking, like the actually, so the rotating the bezel just says oh. supper time all around it, so you <laughs> just, can, no matter how you turn it, it's always it's, And time. so you could, your boss says, sorry, I need you to get this, this report in to be stat, and you look at your watch, and I'm saying, boss, it's supper time. And he goes, my, my apologies. <laughs> I can't, it's, you can't interrupt supper time. As we all know from, I think you should leave season two, it's illegal to interrupt you a can't meal. Move. You, can't, you can't move it, yeah. Yeah, no. you can't move it. Well, you know, if if they do move it, they have to get that that vacuum, right? The uh, what's it called? The supper time, va- the the hot dog vacuum. But Rolex <laughs> needs to make a supper time vacuum. They're gonna get into well, consumer well, the electronics. the supper time vacuum is made up of the metal that you would normally use to make the supper the G the GST. The, the, so the here's GST what happened. Watch. Here's what happened. Okay. They announced the GST. Okay. Um, they sold like a couple, and then people were like, "It's not working. My boss is still." making me work through meals and so they're like okay. fuck the watch we got to solve this and then they took all the resources all the gears all the metal from the watch and put it into this supper time vacuum <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean the thing is you can't like they say you're getting fired for for low performance but we all know that's not true we all know all right? what it's for um yeah let's get into it the sponsor of this episode is calicocutpants.com there we go thank you you have to if you know you when you use them you gotta give okay you gotta like, give otherwise the whole thing just falls apart we should do a whole thing about the like the menswear in the tim robinson universe because there's a lot of like menswear <laughs> I, or fashion-based <laughs> sketches and they're all fantastic yeah, I, I wonder. He's, if, I think he's like into clothes. I think he's not like you know into menswear, but he like dresses cool at least. Yeah, I, I saw of like a video on TikTok of him like doing like like he said like he went to some random like LA skate park. He's just like going around and like the comment was like, "Is is Tim Robinson hot? Like, <laughs> is he hot?" And I was trying to look at the fit. I mean, it was like a skate, like you know, like I think probably yeah. like rolled up like jeans, like salvage jeans with like Vans or something. But hey, I mean, what hey. Timmy, if you're listening to this, we would we would love to discuss uh, the menswear and and you know Dan flashes and yeah the shirt the it's, it costs two thousand dollars because of how how, uh, how 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 complicated, like, complicated it is. the shirt is it's like it's like one of those like patchwork flannel shirts or like a like a capital bandana shirt it's like the same reason there so I mean hey well do you do you, you think that JTR like <laughs> yeah his wardrobe his wardrobe is must have cost so much money because of how yeah, complicated when he, when he's all looking his at are. his like fun shirts he's like whoa 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 <laughs> what's going on this is the most like discord specific perhaps like episode so uh-huh. far i mean it, it i mean this is open. again hey why you got to get in the discord so you That's understand exactly. all these at the top the best menswear you can you can see me and there you go this could be like a month out of recording this but you can see me arguing with eric about why fast nine fucking sucked 
Yeah. It was so bad. Um, but we we can't it, get so into that today. Opinion. It's illegal. We can't talk about Fast <laughs> 9 or any of the Fast Saga because... Actually, did you know that? It's called Fast 9... No, F9 colon The Fast Saga. Like, that's the a weird title. Saga? But that's yeah. That's the full okay. title, by the way. Do they, so when so, they is like Hobbs and Shaw, is that like Hobbs and Shaw colon a fast story or something? Yeah, it is like solo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And okay, also Hobbs and Shaw canonically takes pa- pa- uh, takes place years after Fast Nine, just okay. like how it's Tokyo Drift. Well, yeah, because Tokyo okay. Drift. I, was, I mean, full I was, disclosure, I haven't seen any of these movies. I'm a, I'm well, a, I haven't I, I've popped seen, my like, fast cherry. I've seen, like, through college and everything. But according to, like, what I was reading, uh, Tokyo Drift takes place, like, after Fast, like, 5 or 6. But it's the third movie in the franchise. It's fucking, it's fucking crazy. It's, it's um, weird. They're, they're going nuts over there at Universal. Yeah, there's actually, I mean... Uh, really quick plug before we get into the Cementor <laughs> podcast, by the way. But there's a scene, so you know how they go to space, right? Like it's in the trailer. Of course. Like they're in. So when they when they talk to these guys that are doing it, I forget what their names are, but I thought it was kind of a fun uh, fun tribute. So they're testing a rocket car, and it's like they have like a remote control, and one guy's wearing a jumpsuit, and the guy's wearing a fucking vest over a denim jacket. So okay. it's kind of like a fun Back to the Future throw, like a uh, call out, which was I was I mean it's so clear what they were doing because they were like they're standing in the middle of this like road, and then they're like they're like watch this guys and they do it and then you know there's got to be like a time travel subplot coming at some point right well, like that's the F- only the F- only F-11. the only dimension that they haven't conquered they've conquered fast they've conquered furious now they've conquered space the only place left to go is the future or the past well that's what they have to get the tesseract right i mean the what the, the tesseract <laughs> from interstellar is what i'm referring to exactly they keep talking about oh we got to do a crossover of like men in black with uh fast nine or you know ghostbusters with yeah the you know all this stuff here's what i need to do uh fast and furious star wars they go into space too far i don't and they're like i don't want to oh shit i I don't want this to be a fast nine episode but i haven't seen uh, any i don't know anything about the fast series i I don't know what their jobs are so i can't really riff on this for (laughs) very long so in this one the bad guy says like i want like we're gonna find these the fast crew i want fucking i want tanks i want x-wings i'm like oh okay (laughs) and then and then later on he's talking to some character and he's like i'm the hero i'm fucking luke skywalk and she goes no you're fucking like you're you're not a rebel. You're the Empire. He's like, no, I'm I'm Han Solo. I'm, and she goes, no, you're Yoda. And he's like, you're right. I'm badass. She goes, no, because you're a puppet. And I'm like, man, they really drew out this whole Star Wars thing. In this one of thing, my you know? one of the funniest thing, like maybe not the funniest, but a joke that always sticks with me is on this like web series that I was watching. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fuck. What was it? It was uh, complicated. There's a bit where it's it's like a parody of those like you know like BoJack Horseman or all those like sitcoms where it's just people talking about depression, and yeah. there's a scene where there's a bunch of comedians like playing a poker night and they're all discussing Star Wars but only referencing the sequel trilogy, not bringing up Yoda or Luke Skywalker or anything. But it's like, bro, you're being such a Kylo Ren right now. It's like, no, I'm not a Kylo Ren. I'm a total Poe. And I just, I don't. It's just such a funny gag. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm Maz Kanata. I yeah. mean, that's kind of the the butthole eyes. If you haven't like looked at Maz Kanata and you don't think she has like rectum eyes, look. look What's back wrong at with it. you? Yeah. 
<laughs> not your rectum, that's for sure. Um, well, welcome, everybody. <laughs> welcome, everybody. Have we even introduced yeah. ourselves? No. I'm, are you guys loving the fact that after July, we're just back and sillier than ever? It's like I mean, we're still, so good. you know, for us in the past, like, you know, Dominic Toretto will soon be. Um, we are... <laughs> We are in the month of July still. I'm going back to the past. That, that sounds more like the fucking like Halo announcer guy than Dominic Toretto. I mean, hey, maybe they're gonna go to Halo. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> go save Master Chief. <laughs> we gotta teach the flood about family. <laughs> yeah, we gotta teach them about family. There you uh, go. But this is this is Style Direction, a mentor podcast without the stuffiness. I'm Ethan M. Wong. I'm Spencer Adi. And uh, today, you know, we're kind of following up, uh, talking about family. No, just kidding. Um, you know, last last uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the Esquire Man and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, vintage illustrations and how cool, just how fun vintage is and how, like, again, for me, how mind-blowing it was to see all these different patterns and these, like, fun takes on menswear that people don't really associate with, uh, with vintage. And uh, the response we got is so good on that. I'm saying this, uh, <laughs> preemptively. I'm saying this preemptively. Because it was we our most this. popular episode by far. That's right. People are clamoring for more. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd kind of talk about, um, which we've hinted at before, like kind of more niche vintage stuff that we're kind of maybe not into, but things that we've like noticed and seen. And yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is like when we were talking about the, you know, kind of layout of this, uh, uh, this episode, we kind of came to the conclusion that it's going to just kind of end up being why we are interested in vintage. Like, so we're going to be talking about a lot of things, uh, yeah. a lot of just like, you know, historical clothing trends from like a hundred years ago uh, that yeah. we probably it, wouldn't wear, <laughs> but we just think probably are interesting. Not. But it's, it's okay. Like overall, like vintage is just really cool i i think yeah most people do like vintage because it's like it's like the way people like watch like old films like it's like seeing techniques these like the origin of like stuff you see today mm-hmm. you know that's like what's really fascinating about this and when you are a vintage enthusiast or a collector like it's fun to like when you see it out in the wild you oh, know yeah. and so there's like you know there's a lot of reasons why we like vintage and there's some stuff in here that maybe you know if you're a hardcore like heddles head maybe they've talked about this before maybe you've been on the fedora lounge or you know, you you know some of the stuff might not be new, but may hopefully maybe you'll see something that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, in in what we talk about, we've included a l- couple of pictures, and by a couple, you know what that means for Ethan. It means <laughs> there's a lot, and you're gonna scroll through all of it. Um, but hopefully there's enough there that kind of reference what we're talking yeah. about. Um, and I, uh, yeah. So I think I mean I think right off the bat, one of the things that Ethan and I both really like about uh, vintage clothing. And, like, the history of clothing in general is just, like, seeing how much, like, variety there was. Like, how, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, uh, I've talked about this before, but the reason that I think, you know, vintage military or workwear or athletic clothing, all this stuff just visually looks more interesting than, like, modern stuff is, you know, they they didn't have the same shortcuts that you do now. You know, like, with Mm -hmm. modern athletic wear, it's very easy just to make it uh, just, like, you know like stretchy just add like stretch to it make it performance fabric and i'm not saying it doesn't work it's a lot more you know probably practical than a lot of vintage stuff but it just doesn't look as cool as like oh yeah this has like random pleats so it like stretches in this one area or it has like all these little bells and whistles that you know that's just what they had to do yeah yeah i I was gonna say like you know a lot of the stuff obviously we're you know 
full disclosure, is probably going to focus a lot more on tailoring, just you uh-huh. know, based on the, what the podcast is. But again, as we've said before, tailoring was kind of, and I'm speaking very generally, like the kind of mode of dress of everything. So everything kind of has these references to tailored clothing. You know, like especially saying like like pleats and stuff isn't really something we think of now as something that you see in like athletic wear or even work wear. But then when you see it done in those places, you know, like you see like a wide ribbing and like a cropped hem on like a, a hoodie. It's like it's it's in, it's so cool compared to nowadays where it's like, you know, it's like thin fabric. Yeah, it might be more breathable, might be more, you know, it might be thinner, stretchier, whatever. But be, for us as guys who like, you know, generally like tailored clothing or at least variations of it, it's like, oh, it's it's cool to see that, which makes it more aesthetically pleasing for for us. You know, yeah. that's kind of like a big a big thing here um, as, as to why we like it. I mean, and as much as said, you know, they just the creation of the materials like not, like not just in design, but like the raw materials that they use obviously mm-hmm. was a lot cooler. Uh, that's my bias. But when things are made of like cotton and and an actual wool it just adds like an air of life to it you know it's not stuff back then wasn't as special i mean it kind of was specialized i don't know how to exactly to describe it but yeah. you know it's it's tough because like i mean we're just basing this like th- there's no classes or anything you can take about this this is all just us if there are please teaching ourselves us. us just teaching ourselves based on like yeah like old catalog scans that we've seen yeah so, so a lot of this is stuff uh, see, yeah, this is not this is not especially photographs. scholarly, I guess. No, absolutely not, absolutely <laughs> not. But we have spent yeah we've spent like years and years just pouring over these images. So you know we we know a thing or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's we might we might not even call them by the correct uh, the correct. Well, thing. because as I was talking about right before we were recording, there's no like any of the things that we're talking about. Which I guess we should talk about soon, because right now we're just being so vague. None of these <laughs> styles or design features or anything or anything really had like names. They didn't really have names. They just called them like fancy pockets or like fancy back or something. So it's like up to us to like retroactively assign them names. Yeah, I mean it's like Spearpoint Collar. When you look through like old stuff, you might have seen it, but like and most of them it's like oh point collar shirt like uh-huh. it, it was just like regular stuff you know or, or as an yeah. example that we're probably going to get into like grizzly jackets were never called grizzly jackets in the period they yeah, yeah, they yeah. like that's just something that we call them now yeah I, I like like there were i forgot what it's actually uh, it was like a um oh alaskan lamb jacket that's what they're called mm-hmm. that's um here i'm gonna i know this sounds like we're screaming but here, i'm gonna put this link <laughs> for spencer to see i just added it in there oh, cool. it's my little uh, album of grizzly jackets yeah they're called laskin lambs and it, it's it's like you know it's one of those things where jackets like this just don't exist anymore i mean other outside than like, of yeah. like <laughs> yeah like vintage either, reproduction yeah reproduction or like super artisanal stuff like mm-hmm. you know um himmel bros and everything so again a big draw about this is that you know we really like it and also it's rare and it doesn't exist anymore it doesn't exist anymore and it's also fun to see what these other brands that we also pay attention to like what they're referencing you know stuff like you know uh in japan you got adjustable costume you got bronson you got mm-hmm. motive clothing and you know out from china you've got scott frazier who kind of does a little bit more of like the mid-century casual you know italian stuff you got sjc which yeah again started by making like the spear point polos that people could never find you mm-hmm. know out in the wild and of course you got like more kind of quote mainstream stuff like thomas farthing which is like you know like a modern redo of like 
like Edwardian slash twenty yeah. styles and everything like that. Like double RL uh, stuff like that. Yeah, double RL. Yeah, and double RL. Yeah. So this stuff again, we're probably not gonna get to like the seventies because a lot of seventies stuff kind of recreates ideas from this period. So this is kind of more like nineteen tens ish to like nineteen fifty or whatever. Yeah. This this the stuff that like we're talking about tends to be earlier just because. I mean, yeah, stuff from like the seventies and eighties hasn't really been like quote unquote lost in the same way that some of these style uh, styles have. Yeah. At least not yet. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I know what would probably could get, we could get started is probably stuff that Spencer wrote in here because it's going to go in order here. But like, we can start with workwear a little bit. I mean, it's smaller. Um, And I know we've, we had that whole episode on, um, on Milserp and I, I feel bad that we're not doing its own work or one, but I feel like there's just not as much to talk about there. You know, but maybe we'll do one in the future, but you know, I mean, yeah. work, 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 is like had its, has had its moment. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's like, Oh, it's over. I still wear workwear shit. I'm wearing a chambray shirt right now, but you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. I feel like, uh, the, the, the reason that this section is shorter compared to other stuff is because, uh, a lot of workwear is kind of still around. Like they're yeah, not as cool, I mean, but you know, like if you if you see construction, you will see guys wearing like you know coveralls and and technically chore suits. That's or true. I mean, I remember one time, like a, a long time, a long time ago, like like maybe like three or four years ago, Spencer got a like cotton twill like chore blazer, and that was one of the first times that I had ever seen a chore blazer out. Um, like like it was like two button. It was like very cut, very short. Oh yeah, about this we don't like, we, it, uh, Yeah, I can't. I bought it at Inspiration, but it was interesting. Like, no one could tell me how old it was because it was, like, there were no tags in it. Like, a lot of it, it some people were like, oh, it could have been handmade. But, yeah, it was this chore, tan chore blazer anywhere yeah. from, like, the 1920s to the 1950s. Like, yeah, everyone I took it to told me it was a different age. Yeah, so that was not exactly kind of niche, but at least, I mean, at least for the time, it was, like, really yeah. cool to see, like, people had, like, chore suits. Yeah, you because know? Like, it's, like, I see... A big thing. I mean, yeah, it's like, and the other thing is, like, you see chore blazers all the time now at, like, you know, Waltz and Barnes or, like, you know, fucking everyone's making a version of the game suit or whatever, the, the you know, the Bedford uh, suit. But, yeah, it's, uh, you don't really see many, like, actual vintage examples. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at, I mean, hopefully, I think we have some pictures of, like, some really cool, like, shirts that they had also uh-huh. like stuff that you really just don't really see much of you see a lot of like variations of denim jackets not just like type one type two but like cattleman jackets like kind of like moon shaped pockets mm-hmm. like p- knife pleats down the front or down the sides and everything western details i mean well because the thing that i think people sometimes forget is like you know you think of like oh like you know denim jackets like you know vintage denim jackets you think of like just levi's and lee's or maybe like bluebell or whatever but just like there's a shit ton of like no name brands making knockoffs of denim jet ja- like Levi's denim jackets now, still had the same thing back then too. So there's yeah. yeah again just like a ton of variety if you look deeper. It's it's a lot different than just like a, a Levi's Type One. And that's why I mean, on that same note, fucking leather jackets. Oh yeah. Like there's just so much different types. Of, like you know everyone. I, I absolutely hate it. Not, I mean, I hate it. That's strong word. Sorry, I'll just... Um, but, like, when you go on MFA or something, like, oh, just get, like, the racer jacket or, like, Indiana Jones one. Dude, there's so many different variations of the jackets. I mean, as we know, like, leather jackets kind of-ish started from military. But, like, 
like we assume like oh yeah the a1 was like one of the first like leather jackets but then you see like pictures of like well i mean fucking like people regular have, dudes we've been that. wearing like leather jackets like you know since like prehistory technically yeah, but, yeah i guess i'm talking about like the blue sun style you know yeah like those like the, those uh leather short jackets yeah, I mean, you see, like, again, this is, you know, we still got, we still have a lot of tailor in the cover, but, like, um, what's really helpful for this, and I'm sure maybe, again, this is why this section's shorter, um, but Lightning has released, like, or, or, like those big compendium of, like, oh, that's right. of, yeah. like, leather jackets, military jackets, and uh, workwear jackets, or denim jackets, and so you can really see a lot of the great, again, variations that people like Mr. Freedom Double RL kind of pull from when creating their, you know, other like modern mm. interpretations of their jackets. And so with like leather ones, like you have like, I tried to cover some of them in my essay on leather jackets. I kind of just put them into two groups. It's like, it's either a zip front or, or a biker jacket or it's a button front. There's like three different kinds of versions there. But then even then there's like a bunch of like deep pocket shit. You or know. they had like pullovers. They had like pullover leather jackets. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like you can even yeah you can see like it's it's crazy and once again like all this stuff with like with workwear and sportswear, this was like the performance clothing the tech wear of the past and doesn't it just look yeah. much cooler fucking than map. like some yeah, yeah some <laughs> fucking like gray like you know shell jacket with a mesh lining and a million pockets it looks cooler yeah you see you know you see the stuff replicated get the ideas in today but like one of the draws about this is when you're when you either see a photograph of it or if you're lucky enough you find it at like a flea market like just randomly like that is some of the coolest shit you mm-hmm. know and it just shows you like like nothing is really all that as we said in the esquire mag uh, esquire episode nothing is really all that new you know um yeah i can just imagine like you know pulling out like two 40s you know black double rider jackets and they're both kind of different you know not mm-hmm. just in terms of like yeah, like, the collar could be different, like, the pockets could be different, you know, the zip style and everything. It's, it's fucking crazy. And seeing all of this, you know, is, makes you wonder, why don't we just have this stuff anymore? I mean, maybe the reason why people don't like menswear is because menswear's gotten so fucking boring. Seriously, you know, it's just gotten we need the same more stuff. variety in everything. Everything's getting so fucking boring. Yeah, you know, it's like one of those things where, um, I know this is slightly off topic, maybe this is a topic for a stream, but I think Al just had a good point where he said, like, people complain that menswear is boring but then when people try and change it they say no, oh you can't yeah do that because exactly. they ex- they want it to be boring like they, it's like they they hate it but they want to keep it there and mm-hmm. that's why i really like you know when you get to pull vintage it's like well look at just how much fun people had with designs you know obviously like in the greater scheme of things you still look like a 1940s dad you know there wasn't like a streetwear <laughs> aspect or there wasn't like fucking I guess there was kind of athleisure in the sense of, like, sweatpants and everything. But, like, yeah, there, there wasn't, like, a variety of different styles. There wasn't this concept of, like, Japan-style, Korean-style, yeah. whatever. But in in this, you know, small in niche this of one classic style. menswear. Yeah, there was just so much stuff out there. Whereas now, as Spencer said, like, you just have knockoffs of, like, type 3 jackets now. Yeah. You know, everyone makes that. There's no, you know, a, a small, like, Cotton's not going to make a fucking their own denim jacket with, like, a buy swing back. I mean, know. hey, you could see this with like I just saw a, someone posted a TikTok in one of our menswear chats that I honestly thought was kind of dumb, but I guess they kind of made a point where it's like, uh, oh yeah, it was the thing that all just was talking about, where it was like the yep. TikTok of the person getting made fun of for wearing like a plaid shirt on a date or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the TikTok was this person saying, well, actually, there are only three types of shirts that men can wear, and it's like Aloha, solid, or plaid. 
And well, again, I think that's kind of dumb because I disagree. Um, I guess she's she has kind of a point in that if you are only shopping at like fucking Kohl's, yeah, that's all you have. But uh, yeah, look at like old again, not even like digging that deep into niche vintage stores. Like look at an old Sears catalog at the casual shirt section, and it's like it's just crazy. So this it's they're going nutso in there, man. Yeah, it's it's just weird, you know. I think this 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 series of essays and and podcasts is kind of like it's for people who don't believe that menswear can be cool, and also people who think that that classic clothing or vintage clothing was boring. Yeah, you know? it's just this weird to me. Of... It's just all yeah. It's always weird to me when people like talk yeah. Like, think about the past, like, uh, as just people walking around, like, fucking, like, black and white, all, like, everything's very yeah, boring. gray flannel suits. Where I'm not saying, hey, I'm not saying everything was great, but yeah, the clothes, like, there was just more variety there. Like, objectively. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I mean, before we get up to it, I mean, like, like Western wear, you know, like, that was fucking, fucking crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they, I love, like, I mean, yeah, you might look like, who's that, like, Hank Williams, <laughs> like, fucking wearing some yeah, crazy like shirts. like a nudie suit. Yeah, nudie suits, you know, like, there's so much, like, people, maybe we wouldn't wear it, but it's fun to think of Western wear as more than just, like, fucking... Like a denim sawtooth shirt and stuff. But yeah, it's, like, 1920s yeah. and 1930s Western wear. I mean, a lot of this was, like, you know, costume, but so was, like, most Western wear today. But yeah, it yeah. was it was crazy. It's not just, it's not just like, a sawtooth and jeans, which, again, is mm-hmm. fine. I'm, I wear that all the time. But yeah, it's like these these wild silk shirts with like all this embroidery on it. They like huge like chaps or whatever, mm-hmm. giant hats. Um, yeah, people people knew how to just have fun with it. People knew how to have fun with clothing. Yeah, it's just so like mm-hmm. it's kind of sad when you don't you know get to see people appreciate this. Well, maybe they don't see because they don't they don't see it. We have this is why you have to listen yeah. to this and and, and, uh, and watch it. Um, but before, want to, like, yeah, before, go on. before we move on, I want to shout out the LL Bean Sport Vest as a really good example <laughs> right. of like a fucking cool ass thing. Like that is, yeah, a great example of like tailoring meets workwear in a sense that you just don't really, you don't, yeah, you don't really see in general this kind of mix uh, mixture of of utilitarian and it's not i mean it's a vest with with sleeves and pockets it's not like fucking crazy but it's it is crazy <laughs> when you realize like people don't do it right like nowadays everything is so specialized or you have like a tool belt or whatever you don't really you know you don't really like put you know use a jacket like to, to do stuff and and the l bean sport vest is one of those things that was like super niche i wrote an essay about it but it's basically like, like i said it's like think of like a vest that has sleeves and, and has like it? four patch pockets on the uh, in on the chest area, and like that's it. But it's just so unique looking. It's like, is it a cardigan without, like, like that's like tailored? Is it like a jacket that doesn't have lapels on it? Like you, like it's a weird fucking thing, and it's just so nice. It goes with everything. I use it, you know. I mean, it's obviously too hot to wear now, but oh, I do have a cotton version that I found. Oh, that's right, the from, white cotton one. Yeah, that I got from Western Gifts. Uh, no, no, sorry, sorry, not not Garrett, but I got it from Keith, which Vintage Warrior. Um, and that's a good example of something that's kind of niche that also like kind of seems kind of like Japanese in, in its style because of like how short it is, and because Japanese brands have like appropriated it because <laughs> they really like that style. People, t- you know, I think like. Um, Beam has made a version of it, and you can see, like, you know, the Penthes has, like, what they call, like, their cardigan 
jacket with like out of ripstop, which is like just like a lapel-less jacket kind of a thing. You know, Kanye tried to make lapel-less jackets come back. So it's it's really cool to see like you know this idea of what that was uh, has kind of like precedent in this kind of a thing, and people did wear it. I mean, I tried to find photographs of people wearing it that weren't like modern collectors. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just so fucking cool. Like there's so many different variations. But I think I saw one that like Woolrich had made. Um, but there is, uh, the, the classic L. Bean one has, like, the red and black houndstooth arms, and then, like, a, um, a gray, um, or sorry, a, a brown, uh, body. Um, but yeah, like, the L. Bean sport vesting is just super cool. Um, I also, before I move on, I do want to say Mackinac jackets are cool, too. Oh, yeah. Like, that's kind I, of yeah, a fun... Cause... Like plaid, yeah, red plaid jackets. You know, those are a thing that I feel like. Do people know about these ones? Maybe they do. Like, I, uh, well, I, know I guess think it, of, like it, the buffalo check ones. I guess. Well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. If we're talking like older Mackinac, like the double-breasted, full-belted. Yeah, yeah those are those are cool. Uh, those aren't really yeah. around anymore. I feel like the later versions, like the zip front, just like you know, red plaid jackets. Not, everyone. Not you're not. I, I mean, I don't own one, but it's like I feel like it's a uh, it's belted a nice thing to have. Belted is so okay. And, okay. Also, I would have thing... both. You know, <laughs> the belted. Oh, okay. Sometimes I mean, you don't need sure. the. Sometimes sure. you don't need the belt. If I had unlimited storage space, I'd have both. I'd have every variation of all menswear, obviously. But I, I don't know. I think one one big thing before we get into tailoring and shoot in a second. Um, belts are fucking cool. Yeah, full, <laughs> fully belted big, things are cool. A big theme here, but uh, maybe I should... if you don't know what a Mackinac. <laughs> Yeah, I know you is. don't like it's... safari jackets, but man, maybe I should wear that now that I'm thinking about belts. There you go. Wear it today. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I just want to say, like, the Mackinac jacket, if you don't know what it is, it's basically like a peacoat style. Um, you know, it's like it's like a right above knee length jacket. It's usually got double breasted. It's got like a very big dramatic collar. And it's got mm -hmm. a belt sometimes. Usually made of like, the original's made of like a buffalo plaid. Um, but you see like variations like, you know, like red plaid or yeah. green plaid, blue plaid. You see all that kind of stuff. Um, Again, there's really a huge cool. variety. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of variety that you don't see anymore because now, uh, like I like to call it like nerd or theater kid energy. When like when, you, when the kid wants to dress up, he wears like a flat cap and like a pea coat. Like no, like that's not like. Please don't do that. Yeah. But okay, let's let's move on to some more of a tailoring stuff. I know because we're like halfway through this. <laughs> um, but right up next we have shoes. Now shoes. Yeah. Okay, shoes are crazy because number one, shoes first are crazy, off, man. Yeah, crazy. Um, you didn't like not everyone wore Oxfords. Yeah. Like it's not like that's not kind of. I mean, people did wear them, but like it wasn't like the only shoe you had. Well, you still I, had like derbies and shit. I think the thing to keep in mind is people are now talking about the post sneaker world. This is the pre sneaker world. So they didn't. They didn't even. They didn't have sneakers uh, to take the place of their uh, to just wear every day with their casual wardrobe. So you had to have more casual leather shoes of course there yeah. were like canvas deck shoes and stuff but most people uh, were not wearing those unless unless you were like a sailor or like working you know like living right or near playing the beach. sports or something yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's it's you know that that's a really good point i mean this whole thing is pre-casual clothing in it or pre-casual styles right yeah. like i said earlier and so you know you just had we, we, there's a couple of images of this in the Esquire. We'll, we'll probably include some more. But, like, you did have, like, loafers. You had, um, 
variations of like mock toed shoes. You had like crepe soled shoes. You had like side fastening. Like yeah, like, they, like we kept. I don't. I can't remember ones. if we. I can't remember if we mentioned this in the Esquire article. But yeah, we kept seeing like illustrations for like suede single monk shoes, which yeah. were like apparently a big summer trend in the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. It's, with, yeah, it's like crazy. suede, suede, uh, suede uh, single monk with crepe soles. So not just the yeah. suede single monk. Yeah, you had all of that together. Uh-huh. And it's, it's kind of sad. But then one thing also about, about shoes back then, at least in the 30s, it was in early, uh, late 20s, there's this thing called like the spade sole, mm-hmm. which is like, we'll put a picture of it, but it's, it's, I don't, it's kind of cool, but also like. It's uncomfortable not, sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it looks weird. So it literally, like, if you think of like the spade, like like a sh- not not the shovel, but like the, the what do you call playing it? card symbol, the playing card kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, a kind of like a wide top. I'm not I'm not a good shoe person. Like the toe box area, it's kind of like you know it it, it expands and then it gets really small in the yeah. waist, and then it kind of goes back out again. So it looks like a spade. It looks kind of pointy, um, kind of like an arrow in a sense. And a lot of shoes back then, oh, not a lot, but like it was like a trend to have shoes in this style. Usually, uh-huh. it also meant that the sole itself was um, a little bit expanded. Like you know, like how nowadays you have like a really thick sole or like the kind of like stitching that, that happens on Goodyear welts. Like you had that kind of more exposed. But it was around it was it. a very yeah, it's a very dramatic shape. It's like one of those things where you, yeah, it's like hey, you know it when you see it. You just you just immediately recognize it. Yeah, it's it doesn't look that. I mean, some of the extreme ones don't look that cool. But when you, you know, you can see nowadays when when you know when when uh, and vintage guys always complain that, that shoes today don't look this, and it's kind of true because shoes that like like Aldo look like shit. <laughs> but then when you see like shoes like like the the armory cells or whatever, like not just English shoes, but like Japanese shoes, like bespoke shoes, they still retain that kind of very sleek shape, mm-hmm. the very the wasted in the in the midsection area. Like so they do keep this kind of idea kind of alive. Um and it and, looks like very cool. Like you see, I mean like we're going to get into like, you know, two-tone shoes and spectators. But I think yeah, like I'm looking at a picture right now of like chocolate brown suede with like alligator toe like it's a spectator and on a spade yeah. sole like that specifically that combo looks so slick it looks very cool with that shape yeah it's it's really wild i mean the thing is i don't know how good the leather was back then because like you know people people made shoes all the time again like Spencer said like that's this was like your casual like you had to have shoes for casual wear and so i don't know like if they were made to the same degree as today, but maybe they were because they had to be handmade anyway. I don't know. Um, well, what what I've spe- heard what, what what I've heard is that construction of shoes tended to be better than it is today, but the leather was worse. Mm, that that makes a lot more sense, I think. Yeah. Um, but hey, you, you mentioned spectators, man. So spectators back then, they it just wasn't like just two tones there was like so many variations of spectators uh-huh. well because i feel i feel like spectators kind of get a bad rap and i understand it because most of the time you think of the shitty like la la land like dance shoes yeah, like yeah. very cheap like black and white you know uh like patent leather or whatever but no i think yeah like vintage spectator i like capto spectators i think you know if we were getting into i talked about like you know uh, uh, two-tone, not just in color, but, like, you know, using different fabrics or, like, you know, construction materials, which I think is really yeah. cool. Um, and, yeah, you get a lot more than just the basic, like, brogue wingtip two-tone. 
you get like you know you get i'm trying to find the pictures in the fucking like thousand image album that we have but yeah you get like these the like these crazy like zigzag patterns and like crisscross designs with the leather that like i can't think of yeah i I can't think of any brand making things like that today yeah it's one of those things right where it's kind of hard to think if you if you could pull it off but like Mm. it's just cool to have that option um yeah like perforations like yeah different materials it's just kind of wild to again you're gonna hear that a lot but it's just everything's wild i wish yeah i wish you could see more of that today um one thing also that i wanted to mention is that shoes like in addition to being very sleek there also was like a trend to like have like the like square toed in the front like (laughs) it's kind of like an edwardian thing which came back in like the 70s you know um it's dumb but it happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, maybe at the end of this, you know, you can you can talk to us, leave a leave a comment on this episode, and let us know um, which of these things that you'd actually like to come back and maybe yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, you and we'll have, make we'll, it happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we're gonna go to Alden. We're gonna go to I can't think of Alan Edmonds. We're gonna bring it back to its former glory. Uh-huh. Um, you did also. You had loafers. Uh, you know, you had tassels That's back right. then. I think they call them like Norwegian. Like, there's also like. Like uh, a penny loafer, which uh, the illustration has as one of the only examples of like sockless I could find, at least from like a uh, like a guide standpoint. Oh yeah, and uh, they call it like a Norwegian slipper, even though it's like a penny loafer, which is fucking crazy. But on that note, the real crazy one is the espadrilles. Now everyone thinks espadrilles like the Tom's looking stuff, but back then, man, you had like. And I'm sure if some of you guys in Europe might see this more, but like for us Americans, it's crazy like to to see like an espadrille that like wraps around your leg mm-hmm. or like your calf area. That one was always cool, and I remember I and got I know, them after. Well, well Diego still ones, yeah. Diego still makes those, and I've con- I've thought about. <laughs> I kind of want some still. Um, yeah. Because yeah, they're, they're just so they're so unique, and I, there's a picture of I think it's like John Wayne wearing them mm-hmm. and it's like you know say what you will about uh, john wayne as a man but oh, you know no. he looked very relaxed uh wearing those sandals on the beach and i'll say i want i want to feel that relaxation yeah i think what, what, what you get from all this stuff is that not only do you get uh when you have all this variation a lot more casual options that are more interesting we also get like a very elegant option yeah you know like or you could uh, like you know use those um we, we've seen these in like esquire uh, and then Yucatan makes a pair of those, like, le- they're not slippers necessarily, but just kind of, like, leather. They have, like, a uh, like a heel and leather sole, but just that kind of, like, leather-woven slipper or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that, Yucatan is the only brand that I can think of making one like that. But, like, I see that, I'm like, that is, like, the most elegant, like, summer relaxation shoe I've ever seen. Like, I can't imagine, like, how good that would look with, like, a white suit. Like, you know, at Pity or whatever. I can't believe no one's making these for Pity. And, I mean, maybe, yeah. It's, I just really want to see more stuff come back. And then, so, speaking of other stuff, I mean, so, tailoring. Kind of, this is probably going to take up the rest of the entire episode here yeah. now, uh, because again, like we said, there was just so much variation. I mean, in shirt collars alone, there <laughs> was just so much stuff. Even even before this, I mean, you know, the fact that nowadays all you have, all you really have, is like button down collar. Of course, in varying widths and 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 lengths and everything, and like a spread collar. But man, I'm sure I'm sure you guys have seen it in the tw- like in the early twenties uh, and and before that. The stiff collar variations, yeah. there's just so much. Well, yeah, you know? because, so, like, yeah, so, 
I, again, I think most of our audience probably knows this, but yep. for those that don't, um, from the like 19th century, like mid 19th century until like, like the early, like, you know, mid twenties, like most men were wearing, uh, detachable collar shirts. So they're, they, you could just take off the shirt collar, wash that, uh, they would do the same thing with the cuffs and then you could just, you know, it's a lot easier just to wash the collar than it is to wash the entire shirt. Yeah. And so if you wanted to change up your look, it's also a good way to invest in a couple of different colors. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, you see, I mean, you see this like a lot in photographs and like, you know, period pieces, uh, obviously because it's what most people are wearing for like 80 years. Uh, but yeah, it's like the, the thing that you, I always see in like period pieces is that they never do something, which I have seen a lot in photos, which is they wear a patterned shirt with a different patterned collar. Like people would just like fucking like mix and match and wear the craziest combos. And yeah. again, I probably wouldn't do it because a lot of them look uh, ridiculous, but it's just, again, it was like, it's weird to see these people from this time, which, you know, most people assume is very like reserved and conservative. And there's guys just having a lot more fun with their clothes than almost anyone is today. Yeah, you might think it's probably like just practicality or force versatility where like, you know, maybe back then they didn't actually have a lot. Maybe they had a bunch of shirt like 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 bodies, but not much of color. So they just kind of wear it with whatever. Or I mean, or they could just be like fashionistas and they just like to wear them. But like, yeah, hey, I mean, I think it's see... like, you know, you could pull you could decide from the context of the photo what they're doing. Yeah, but yeah, like there's some great shirt patterns. You just, I mean, you can probably only see it if you're doing bespoke. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like you know, it's that thing I said before, where like menswear has gotten to the point where it's just occasion wearing. And if you're gonna, so if you're only gonna have it once, then you're probably only gonna have it in one solid color, which is I get it. But I mean, back then, like it was so complex to have like so many stripes and checks and yeah. deco print designs on like it, woven into the shirt and jacquard and, and fabrics and everything. And it's weird because like I feel like. You know, unless you're going to, like, slightly, you know, maybe not even high-end brands, but just, like, slightly more high-end brands, uh, you are not going to find even just, like, multi-stripes in most mm -hmm. men's shirts. Um, like, yeah, most of the shirts that I, like, I was selling at J. Crew were just solid stripes. I think we got, like, one multi-stripe in once, and I always tried to push that, and no one ever bought it. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. It's, um... But yeah, like I, my, I mean, my favorite type of shirt, and I don't have a lot of them, just because they're you know obvious, they're really hard to find. But I, if I could, I would fill my entire shirt wardrobe with just like 1920s and 30s like multi-stripe or jacquard weave spear point shirts. Hell yeah! Uh, just because I personally find them really easy to wear. Like I was talking to, I think I was talking to Chris um, about those, and he's like, "Oh, you know, how do you wear those?" And I'm like, "You literally just treat it like a striped shirt." And it's like so easy to wear it that way, but it just looks more interesting and looks cooler than yeah. just, you know, a, blue a lot of this shirt. stuff. Like, you, you think about, like, you know, we're going to get into some crazy tailored stuff in a second, but like, you think about how how weird it is, how niche it is to the, today, but if you just treat it like with whatever, like, you'll uh -huh. be able to pull it off. I mean, just like, we had a whole episode on the Spear Point collar, and I said I'd just treat it like a regular shirt. Exactly. Um, you also had, like, I mean, you also had, like, club collar shirts, which are kind of fun, uh, variations mm -hmm. of that, you know, whether or not they were. Um, like uh, attached or what do you call it like a the the well the stiff collar or whatever no no like the what do you call it when they're when you have like the attached like they pull the oh the tab together. the tab, tab collar yeah you had yeah. some of those in the club style and everything you know so that was kind of like a fun niche 
piece, not really niche because they were pretty common. Yeah, uh, I mean, they, they kind of like, went they, out of favor for a little bit when they came back well, in they, the sixties. Yeah, they like I, I think they like kind of like more or less stuck around. Like they were they were in the third like in the thirties. They I think they were like part of the kind of like pre heyday Ivy look. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like if you watch, if you watch like, if you know, like stuff from the fifties and sixties set around Madison Avenue, yeah. uh, you'll see guys wearing like club collars. Yeah. Uh, well let's go from the top now to the bottom or the okay. lo- below the waist, but let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about trousers for a little bit here. Um, so in general, you think that trousers are easy, right? Like, yeah, it's either pleats, it's either cuffed or not high-waisted mid-rise, whatever, but back then when those were everything you wear you got to find some way to make it more interesting so boom mm-hmm. you got different type of waists and yeah you i mean so like side tabs dax adjusters which are like the kind of elastic ones you had and you also first off on side adjusters you either had like the waist sometimes it's near the back you know there's a bunch of different variations you had extended yeah. waistbands that go off to you know, you know that, that are very italian oh nowadays. yeah we'll get into like we'll get into like collegiate wear with like those yeah, crazy we are, yeah yeah but one po- one popular one that's kind of like niche to most, but like not really niche in menswear because it's kind of having a moment, or it did have a moment in 2017, <laughs> is the Hollywood waist. And yeah. that is where it's two things. It, technically, the Hollywood waist is where you have the one piece waistband where it's just all, it's just a continuous, like the trouser is like, there is no seam for the waistband. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's all one thing. But the true Hollywood waist to me is when you have that aspect combined with dropped loops so the loops the belt loops are just done maybe like a quarter to half an inch below the waistband and the loops are also usually smaller so they need like a thinner belt that is a cool look it is super like and i think it's like it can be like super flattering because like honestly like you know yeah like the they're super they're super high-waisted usually very wide they have like these at least the ones that i like most of the ones that i've seen have like really deep pleats um and i think it's just like it looks so good when it's like the wide leg that kind of like tapers up into this like very slim waist because they that's what it ended up thing, that's yeah. what it ended up looks at looking like when it's like the single waistband uh construction it's, yeah, it's, and then you pull yeah, it tight with the same belt that we talked yeah. about in the belt podcast. You know, it's just so cool. Uh, I think probably this only really works with gabardine pants. Like, mm. I don't think it, I, there's nothing that drapes as well as vintage gabardine. I don't know if modern wool gabardines are ever going to be as good as it was in the 40s and maybe early 50s. But it is so cool. Um, you also had like fishtail backs, which is probably more of like a three-piece suit thing, kind of earlier, kind yeah. of more for I mean, like that's, tuxedos. Because that, like, well, because I think like, I mean, if we're getting like really, really early, I most like a lot of pants that I've seen from like the 19th century and like early 20th century have like a fishtail, whether they're workwear or you know for like uh, formal wear. But yeah, it's yeah. like a detail that kind of stuck around on like more traditional stuff. Like I think you still mo- you still morning see it today stuff. on like yeah morning dress and like and if you're gutting like you know a tuxedo white or white tie, tie yeah from mm-hmm. a from a high end tailor they'll probably give it a fishtail yeah I mean but you might I see think, it some some workwear like uh, some yeah. modern stuff too like like if it's like a Japanese brand I think you can kind of see some of that stuff too but yeah I mean it's like if you are wearing suspenders a fishtail back is actually like thumbs up it's like very yeah nice so for, for example so it, it the the back part of the waistband kind of goes up and tapers like it gets higher than your yeah. normal waist and it and it has like a section that looks like a fishtail and those two parts of the fin or whatever are where 
your back braces would attach to. So and it gives and I more think give to the part of the trousers. And as you said, it's it was worn a lot with three piece suits. I think part of the reason was also so it would like cover up your shirt at the yep. like under mm-hmm. at the back of the vest. Exactly. Um, so see, it's again, it's a practical, it's a practical thing. Like, wouldn't you yeah. like to have that if you're wearing a three piece suit? Wouldn't you like to have that? Modern three piece suits. We need to talk about like the length of waist. I mean, we talked Please. about kind of deal breakers, but it's <laughs> yeah. just so modern. Modern waistcoats are just too long, and pants are just too low in the rise. Get um, rid of them. You also have the cinch back trousers, which are kind of cool. That's mm. kind of more niche. It's a little bit more work wear, and it kind of translated to collegiate wear. Yeah, um, like you, there, there. It was like. Ivy. In the 50s, it was like an ivy thing to wear like cinchback chinos. And I think back then that would probably was like, oh, it's like a throwback to like old school workwear. Because, yeah, it's exactly. something that you saw. That's something that you saw a lot like pre 40s um, on like work pants. And I think I think they look cool. I really like cinchback pants. I just think that extra detail poking out from underneath a jacket, that extra bit of hardware uh, looks really cool. It's like a menswear tramp stamp or something. And I want it. <laughs> so tramps down. Yeah. Um but yeah, um those are kind of, there's a lot of I mean, we'll get more at the collegiate way in a second after. Um but before before we do get into I know I put Palm Beach here, but that should have been in the tailoring part. But we gotta go back to shirts for a second because we gotta talk about rayon shirts, man. Oh my god, yes. Like now, I think I, we've 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 talked a lot recently about how good rayon gabardine shirts are. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and we're so gonna we're, keep doing it until people make more of them. Yeah. So obviously, it's coming back nowadays in a little bit. You see, like the tensile rayon shirts that uh, don't feel like vintage rayon gab. Um, uh, but so back then, obviously, like rayon shirts were like the casual shirt. I mean, you still had like cotton and, and chambray work shirts or whatever. But around like the 30s or so is when like rayon started like really to get more popular. And so, and especially as the sport call, a uh, sport shirt collar, the loop collar shirt, Cuban collar, whatever you want to call it, as that collar style got more popular, it kind of just worked for, mm-hmm. um, for rayon as like a as like a, ma- a match. And so, this is something that again is not really that niche. It's just kind of great to find. I think prices are going up because people are starting to see. Like, people are, like, seeing, well, like, Ame Leon Dore makes them, but then they're yeah. like, oh, I want the originals now, you know? Well, because the thing that I think is great about Rayon Gab is how, like, it, I don't know if this is how it felt originally, but, like, yeah, vintage Rayon Gab, if you, if you handle it, it has this very, like, kind of soft, like, smooth, like, spongy feel to it. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, obviously the vintage ones have the benefit of being, like, 80 years old, but my God, like, it just ages and breaks in, like, yeah. like nothing else. And so, um, so good. Yeah, when you have that and the niche yeah. stuff that comes up, and like the Aloha shirts are so good. The foil patterns are great. And you, yeah, you also, a lot of like early Aloha shirts were also you got a lot more variety because now I feel like everyone's doing the same like fucking like three types of patterns. But yeah, yeah. if you look at like old what like Aloha shirts, there were a lot of like weird ones that were like photo collages uh, or these like really unique and like you know like avant garde illustrations and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, also, like, this was also the fabric for, like, a lot of Western wear, too. And so mm-hmm. you see, like, I have a bunch of Western shirts that I actually did not know existed in this way until I started, like, like finding them. You know, these, like, sawtooth rayon gab shirts and, like, black and green. And sometimes they have, like, the embroidery or, like, the piping on the edges. But they're just so, so good. Um, but other, like, niche shirts that you don't really see, like, spear point collar polos. Like, I mean, the original polo shirts had spear point collars. They didn't uh-huh. have... 
they didn't have the fucking bacon whatever that like the one that we have now you had like spear point stuff you see that in like the old lacoste stuff or like the images in like the 30s or whatever because they were based on like the button down or whatever um you had also on that note gaucho shirts which i've written about in the past before which is kind of this fun like polo style shirt that is like a lot more i don't know why it's called gaucho it's probably racist or something because <laughs> it's, it's a very california yeah. kind of a thing where you had um yeah like these popover stuff that were kind of like kind of similar to the integral collar shirts that drake's made but they were you know huge ribbing crazy designs like stripes checked gabardines you know plain stuff they had like a built-in like dicky shirt collar like so like <laughs> yep. it, like you had like the the spear point or like the the kind of like a sport collar that kind of goes into a v but then you had like a built-in yeah that first part of like a of a crew neck right there made out of like cotton or something so you had those gaucho shirts which are super cool uh, again different variations they're kind of like basically again a mix between a sport shirt with a cuban collar yeah. and a uh polo I, shirt i really like the one that you have that doesn't have like the dicky underneath but it's just like the kind of knit bottom um sport mm. shirt do you still have that one or did you get rid of it no that one was too small man okay that one yeah, that I, one is I, like I only... my favorite style i really like those that was so small yeah i only have the uh the like the blue check one which is funny because our friend chris got a oh, that's right in yeah. the exact same fabric uh-huh. uh mine neither of ours have labels i think so we can't see if like you know maybe, maybe just like a bunch of brands just bought fabric and just made their fucking shirts that's just how it was you know yeah. uh you also had as they're coming back now knit tees were a big thing in like the 40s and 50s um you know you had some like you know the fun novelty designs you see from like i think groove and higher whatever made like those like you know like they had chips and yeah they were on them they I, does does Bryceland's make them with Groove and High, or does Bryceland's make their I own? I don't remember. I, it could also okay. be a different company as well. Yeah. Um, but you also had the fucking, like, like mesh shirts. Oh, yeah. I think we, we talked about this in, like, the Esquire Man article, but or, uh, or episode, whatever. But, yeah, there was uh, a lot of beaches had, like, like anti-male nudity laws. So it's like you couldn't take your shirt off. So guys would, would just wear, like, mesh shirts to the yeah. beach. It's funny. I don't know if I said this, but, like, I had the opportunity to buy one of these at Rose Bowl for $20. And I didn't buy it because I was like, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to wear this thing. It could have been for Marco. As we know, Marco could've. wears those, yeah. those It would have been fun. I think it would just be, I, I, like, I'm just looser with my money. I would have bought it just for the novelty. Like, I think, it, I think they're just fun. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, back then, I, I didn't even have a terry cloth shirt or, like... Mm-hmm good swim shorts or whatever i you know uh, yeah it was also because uh, again it's a little anecdote so it was raining at the mm. rose bowl so the guy was like dude just give me 20 bucks and you can have it and <laughs> i was like i can't do it i don't know if i mean this is 20 dollars, man i should have bought it i keep yeah. i keep wanting to see if i can find it one more time but he probably sold it um and before we move on uh, i know we talked this before but sweatshirts and sweaters and everything oh yeah um well sweaters first off were just cut shorter um you also had a had lot a of novelty designs v. oh that's yeah right. Yeah, but, like, the Jansen stuff for the fucking crazy, like, you know, like, like not just Christmas sweaters, but, like, geometrics, and it's just so Or, cool. like, you know, like, you would you find, like, a lot of kids stuff from the 50s that has, like, you know, like... Hop along, Cassidy. Yeah, or, like, Howdy Doody or whatever, or, like, you know, like a sweater from the 30s that has, like, Mickey Mouse or Babe Ruth. It's, you know, it's fun. It's, like, gra- yeah. the graphic tee, like, the equivalent of graphic tees have been around for a while, you know? Yeah, yeah, they came in, uh, as I said, like, you know, some of them were in t-shirts for, like, organizations, mm-hmm. and a lot of the novelty designs 
were uh, the uh, sweat uh, sweaters. But you had sweatshirts, which I don't know why they don't do this today, dude. Put fucking like patch pockets on your hoodies, bro. Like it's just come on, it's, it's just great. so cool. Yeah. Two tone designs. You don't gotta find you know fucking you know uh, navy blue gray or whatever like. I really shit, I man. like the I like a lot of the afterhood hoodies, which I don't know if this was like the I, I don't know like the the actual origin story of these, but they're they're sweatshirts that have a hood put on, but it's not like it's just like a, a hood sw- sewn onto a sweatshirt. Um, and so I'm not sure if that was like a home repair or something that like a factory would have done just cheaply. But, like, I think that's super cool. Uh, and I think, Absolutely. like, maybe, like, Walls and Barnes did it. Or, like, Double RL and stuff does it. But, man, I, want, I just want more. Yeah. Um, so now let's move on to our favorite topic, uh, tailoring. Now Please. this is going to be... I know. Um, so, first off, I mean, suits in general have, have, like, you know, until, like, yeah, this maybe the 70s was the last part where we had crazy suits. But, like... You, when, when guys had to wear trousers and a jacket like there was so much variation like mm-hmm. edwardian styles i mean the concept of like the modern suit didn't really come about in terms of conservative design until like the 20s um i know that the neckties were like the same way where like i was talking to our friend damien of a monsivice company where he said like you know before 1920s ties were crazy like different mm-hmm. lengths different different it wasn't and, like and as angles. standardized nothing yeah, yeah nothing and then and then something happened i think maybe the tie makers are like okay well people aren't we, we need to like standardize all these ties so i'm wondering if the same thing happened to tailoring because in edwardian stuff like you had a lot of like also keyed off into the 20s where you had like belted suits were like kind of like a kind of like a safari jacket if you think about it but like more so like a like norfolk style maybe north like yeah, more of like a norfolk yeah. style but like you know maybe the, uh even though Norfolk's technically have like the shoulder pleats that go down through the body, you also have like regular suits that have like, you know, like a three roll two front or a three button front that just straight up has a belt in the middle. Like it just, there's just no, um, none of the Norfolk shoulders, um, or body, um, body pleats on it. You know, you had like triple, uh, or quadruple button flat pockets, man. It was crazy. You know, you saw those, you know, with like regular lapels, peak lapels, lapels of different sizes. You had like, dbs with notch lapels with like four or three button you know yeah because you also have to remember that at this time a lot of a lot of guys were like like literally having their stuff made at home or going to like a local tailor it wasn't it wasn't as much i mean this is you know like you know pre like 1930s um but it wasn't nearly as much like i'm going to a big store to get like a suit made by a big company yeah exactly um and so the, you have a lot of, like, these kind of, like, micro-trends, too, when, like, guys would just do something and maybe they heard about it from their friends, maybe had Esquire reporting on some of the stuff. I mean, I, I've included a couple of pictures. Of, there's, like, a like a tailoring catalog I have of, like, 1917 or whatever um, that's kind of out of order, I guess. Oh, no. Um, but, like, yeah, you have, like, all these different variations of suits. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. Like, you had a... Um, a three-button jacket where they unbuttoned the top button instead of the bottom one. <laughs> um, and then there's, like, a, yeah, a belt in it, and there's pleats in the midsection. Mm-hmm. It's 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 crazy, and the p- trousers are quite slim. Jackets are cut quite short, you know. Um, so much variation. But what I love is, like, the kind of more localized or the age-specific uh, uh, niche stuff, like the collegiate yeah. styles. And collegiate stuff, it's basically, you know, like, today... A lot of what young, I mean, 
it's always been around, right? Young guys are kind of, or young kids in like high school, college are kind of dictating how the trends kind of go. And that was especially true during tailoring yeah. uh, in, in this area. And so you had stuff that were like, I don't even know how to describe some stuff. Like you, like Spencer mentioned before, like waistbands were a big thing where to separate well, yeah. your, your waistband style from other stuff, you had like crazy thick waistbands with like, yeah, like button style stacks, buttons. like yeah, three yeah. three high. It had like weird, you know, like buckles and pleats, um, and yeah, they were like went up to your fucking like nipples, you know. Yes, Just, like these you are, these the tr- and and uh, you can look at catalogs and it's like two pages of variations of that kind of pants. Even the fabric itself was very collegiate. Like you had like they love like multi stripe trousers and odd trousers for like collegiate crazy, style stuff. Crazy like silk shirts and yeah like you know wild plaids and and patterns on their on their trousers. Yeah, it's it's absolutely like you know like button flap pockets to, on <laughs> on the pants, on the fucking pants. You know? Um and then you have like the jackets which were like I don't know what it was. Like they were um I know we talked about in the 30s how things have like a lot more of like a pagoda shoulder and like nipped waist and and then the 40 like the late 30s and 40s got kind of more equalized out. I mean, those pagoda shoulders in the 30s were just even more exaggerated. You had, like, maybe it's because they wanted to look dramatic while dancing. So you had a very strong, like, scalloped shoulder line, short jacket length, Mm -hmm. crazy, like, uh, open quarter, like, curved quarters, and then, like, wide horizontal peak lapels, like, single button or two button to emphasize. Really Really suppressed waist. Really suppressed waist, you know. Absolutely crazy. You also had... You know, maybe like, you know, three piece suits, you know, we could debate whether or not how exactly how popular they were because, you know, there's ex- lots of examples of guys not wearing three piece suits back in the 30s. Um, but you had the concept of the odd vest, and for collegiate stuff, like they were reversible, they were two tone, like they yeah, had I mean, like. So let's, so there's like a specific like style of vest that you see a lot in illustrations, and as far as I know, there are like no existing examples. So, like, when I was hanging out in, like, vintage Facebook groups, there would be a lot of debates on literally, like, how do these actually function? But you would see these, like, two-tone, double-breasted vests. Um, It's usually just, like, one button, like, one functioning button. Uh, The lapels are a different color, and they have a belt in the front. And so there's not any illustrations that I've seen of guys just wearing the vest. So you don't really see, does the belt go all the way around? Is it just in the front? Like, what is it? And it's, yeah, again, like with all these things, like there's just some, like there's a mythos around it because it literally doesn't exist anymore. Like there's no way to see this. You have to just look at images and like photographs. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where obviously like we probably wouldn't wear these today as much no. as we love tailoring but, but i'd love to cool. see them in a museum in a museum yeah because yeah. it's just proof that, you know it's it's crazy that where these guys are like you know we're gonna we're, what we're gonna do we're gonna look fucking great in our suits and they're gonna like go crazy with the fucking styles man i mean we, we um, can talk about like briefly like earlier versions of this kind of collegiate look like rah-rah suits like yes. maybe those so those are that's like so that early was like 1900s to the 10s yeah yeah so that was like that was like firmly in the edwardian era era and that's like again like before suits had kind of been standardized so everything is just buck wild like you're talking i'm talking about like suits with like like uh sawtooth like buttons or like you know yeah. like sawtooth breast pockets and hip pockets like th- it's something called a what is it dip front 
So it, how, how would you describe the shape of this jacket? Like really narrow shoulders, very long, but it like flares out at the hips and has like a very sharp quarter. I don't know if it's, I would describe it as flattering on anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you want to look pear-shaped? like. But it's, it's just, and yeah, and then you would wear them with these very peg legs. So you have like super wide hips and super narrow ankles. And again, I don't know why they dress like this. <laughs> like there's, yeah. okay, here's, here's a dude who has a pocket too. on his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so weird. I mean, shout out, by the way, Vintage Dancer, who actually has a lot of images of this stuff on their website. I don't really know who runs them, but kind of um, really cool to see that they've archived this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, snappy young, snappy styles and patterns in young men's suits. Imagine being like 1900 and like 1906. You know, there's not even World War Two yet. Or World War One. Yeah, or, <laughs> or, or yeah, World War Two hadn't happened yet. Neither did yeah. World War One. Neither but of them. Like, Wearing like this with like fucking like crazy wild multi-stripe jacket uh, fabrics, and being like, "Fuck yeah, I get bitches!" Like like <laughs> it's like I'm 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 a cool dude right now, you know? Yeah, like you're a, you're you're slaying those Gibson girls, man. Yeah, I mean, it really shows like you know when the uh, Chicanos and such and the Filipinos like got into like suit suits later yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, hey, like, do we want to do we want to talk about yeah like the jazz we can jump ahead for that because that I mean yeah pop- well, yeah let's do. Let's do jazz well, suit real quick. I too. think you could like kind of lump. I mean, a lot of people will get mad if I said this. You can kind of lump rah rah suits and jazz suits because I think jazz suits were a direct evolution of rah rah suits. Well, it goes in the opposite where it, instead of it's, being pear shaped, it goes like extremely slim. Yeah, you and, still you still see some of the weird details with like pockets, uh, you know, construction and stuff. But yeah, a lot more slim, and I think probably a more flattering cut but I mean, again so still this pretty is out probably there. what like thomas farbing i think like those kind of styles yeah. kind of take after so these were again narrow shoulders not i mean you know like light not lightly padded but like super high buttoning point the buttons were so high up the chest usually yep. you know squared quarters i mean you'll see this in, in, in the images here i mean and there's also like jazz suit was kind of like I'm sorry, Mark Chevalier for, yeah, yeah, maybe we're using it wrong here, but we're using this kind of talk about like kind of collegiate and youth suits, novelty suits of like the 20s. Like there's a DB suit here with like crazy bellowed upturned uh, peak lapels that go like the gorgeous, like on the shoulder. I mean, a lot of these kind of look, remind me of like frock pockets. coats. Like just yes, in terms exactly. of like the length. That is yeah. exactly it. They, like you can see like these guys, like the concept of like the rah suit of like pulling in the pocket details combined with like frock coats of earlier um and then being worn with like a regular necktie you know it, it's kind of fun to see yeah um and then I, i'm also going to include some pictures of conservative suits of this because you can just also see like yeah i mean like yeah it's wild but like they were a novelty people still wore like three button sack suits at this time mm-hmm. like it's it was it's fun you know to to potentially imagine these old guys going these guys and their fucking scalloped <laughs> pockets and shit like get the fuck out of here yeah um you also have briefly had the futurist suit which probably is um that most people it's in like, fashion design and history probably have heard of if yeah. you're also into art and everything there was like the futurist art movement of the 20s it was a european thing kind of uh it's kind of one of my favorite art styles of painting where you have it's kind of similar to like bauhaus where it's using shapes and asymmetrical like asymmetrical shapes and different colors um but in terms of suiting there briefly was an t- attempt to like redesign the suit in a way and also like there was a lot of like jumpsuits and also that kind of era too but it mainly referred to 
at least from what I can tell and what Smith and I found was the fabric and coloring of the suits. Yeah. Yeah, it's inter- like we're looking I'm looking at photos and it's like yeah, they're like wearing these crazy vests with I mean, I don't even know how to describe these patterns because they're just very abstract, but they're still just like a regular waistcoat or there's like a suit that's like made of all these like crazy patterns and you know the lapels are weird, like it's but- like a weird shaped lapel, but it's still, you know, the length of a jacket and the pants are cut pretty traditionally and i'm not yeah, you know calling them out i just think it's i think it's just interesting but yeah again this was like i don't know more like closer to like a run runway piece i guess where not many people were actually wearing it outside of like yeah exactly the artists yeah and then lastly before, i mean as, as an overall suit style you had the like the jazz suit which was again more of like a a rebellious thing worn by chicanos and filipinos Sorry, the, in LA. Uh, uh, the zoot Sorry, suit the zoot yeah, suit yeah. yes yeah yeah the zoot suit um and those, I mean, we say they're not as crazy as you think, but maybe if you're like a regular dude, these still are pretty crazy. Well, I mean, so-, so if you, if most people, when they think of like zoot suits, they think of like the mask or like, you know, the, the movie like Malcolm X, or maybe like, you know, if you live around LA, I don't know, you've probably seen like zoot suit stores or whatever. And a lot of it is like very, you know, cheesy and costumey. And if you look at, like, the real examples of zoot suits, obviously they're still out there, but it's, like, clearly, like, okay, this guy is just wearing, like, a long jacket and had, like, the ankles of his pants, like, taken in probably at a tailor. Yeah. I mean, so, like, this stuff, again, used as a a form of, like, fashion resistance against Mm -hmm. convention, which is really cool um, to see. Um, But... Like, they were done in, like, kind of conservative suit fabrics, you know? Sometimes they, they were even, like, separate. It's like, gray trousers and, and navy yeah. jackets or whatever. They weren't, like... Again, people made fun of them um, later on in, like... For, like, shows, comedy shows, where, like, they were wearing that, but they were, like, crazy pinstripes, like, in yeah, white like the ones that you see, like, you yellow. know, Cab Calloway wear. Like, those are not, you know, like, actual, like, zoot suits that people are wearing. And I, it's funny, like at LACMA, they they had something infamous a example year, right a couple here. years ago where they were like the last true remaining zoot suit in existence, and it was yeah like a, a stage piece. It wasn't like something that like any you know like young person would have been wearing. In, like, yeah, because most whatever. of those ones that I've heard of, like they have like L.A. made by like Latino, uh-huh. um, uh, like uh, tailors. Like the label would be in there, right? I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So before before we go into some other details, I just want to also briefly go over the European suits, the Latvian yeah. suits, and Lithuanian suits, or whatever from the fucking 30s and uh, or 20s and 30s and everything. Um, the so you do see this stuff kind of brought up in vintage circles. Like there is like some Flickr account out there um, that just there's a bunch of like people found a bunch of Lithuanian like family pictures, and when you see it. Bro, it's fucking crazy. Like, I think, yeah, a lot of these were, like, again, probably made by local tailors or made at home, but it's, like, proportions that you don't see on anything else. It's, like, it's like they heard the concept of, like, what fashion trends were happening in America in the 30s, and they're like, let's just do that. Yeah, and, I mean, that's the interesting thing about, like, European menswear. I mean, it's, like, you know, frankly, for, like, a lot of the... After World War One and, like, a lot of the 20th century, like, America was a quote-unquote more like modern place than a lot of you know like europe uh so when you look at this like european menswear there's so much more like old world influence than you get than you get in america yeah it's you know and you get to see a lot of like you know not just old world influence but like you see some like 20s ideas too like the crazy mm-hmm. striped shirts worn with like 
high button po- uh, buttoning points, but then like wide, crazy wide leg trousers, you know, pagoda shoulders. It, it's all kind of like just a combination of so much stuff just happening in these like um, these European suits. And in general, European suits are kind of got a little bit of more ideas than um, in like convention. Like I remember I had like a German like a. Uh, no, maybe it's bad. Maybe it's not German. Maybe it's like <laughs> British, a British thirties or forties sure. suit where like, like it was like a four on two DB, but the lapels were a little bit slimmer, but the shoulders were very padded. The trousers had an extended, like, you know, not, not like a collegiate mm. waistband, but like oh, an extended that's right, waistband. Yeah. And then it had like belt loops and then like, uh, suspenders that like could, uh, the buttons on the back could fl- uh, flip out as like a tab f- as, 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 uh, a, uh, fishtail, uh, to mm-hmm. mimic that. So that's kind of a fun thing. Uh, because again, back then, like you know, and maybe you wanted this to transcend the uh, the fad of belts. So like, oh, I gotta get ready for for suspenders <laughs> if I need them, you know. So and uh, side tab adjusters too. It's fucking crazy. These European suits. So you see a lot of that stuff more common in like the 30s and maybe early 40s, and then after that, kind of got more standardized. But mm-hmm. again, really cool stuff. Again, just very even just variations of lapel styles and like shoulder construction and everything is just really cool. Yeah, um, a lot of like uh, and uh, European and like a lot of like Central European, uh, they they start like countries they they uh, like belted suits stuck around. Yeah, a lot longer than in the U.S. And, and that and that topic about like the Lithuanian suits. I mean, it, it reminds me of Amitora, where um, one of the one of the guys, one of the first Ivy guys in there is tried to describe a sack suit oh, that's to, right. yeah. to a tailor and the guy made something and I wish I could see what the hell it could make like imagine tailing a tailor that, that normally puts shoulder pads and has draped chest and says I don't want any darts in the body I want it to like mm-hmm. to roll to the to the middle button you know maybe like a closer quarter and the soft shoulder it's like how, how the fuck do you do that you know <laughs> um, but of course you know there are other details that we've kind of talked about in previous ones I've also written about this before but in general uh, in the 30s and 40s, you have a lot of like more smaller details that make the overall jacket much more interesting. You got stuff like belt backs, and belt backs were incredibly functional. You had a fucking crazy variation of belt backs. You had like the bi swing, which has the pleats where like the shoulder meets the armpit kind of area, which lets you you know golf or shoot a gun kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. There, you had There's, um, like shark fin. Sharpen, which like ex- yeah. expands like as like an accordion when you move your back, which is really crazy. Really cool to see on a gabardine suit, obviously. Gabardine, still plugging it, baby. It's yeah. gotta come back. Um, you had love, like the, just, the middle like, pleat ones or the yeah, like just pleats. action action backs in general, where anytime you move, like the the, the back would like up. exactly. It's again like just so cool. It's yeah. I, I wish I wish that there were more brands like just you know like if you're making. Even at like fucking Men's Warehouse or J Crew or whatever, they make these like you know tweed sport coats that are meant to be worn casually. Why not throw a belt on there? You know? Yeah, would exactly. Be, would that be cooler? I mean, you also have stuff like like bellow pockets, which is a big thing, and and all of this stuff. You know, it sounds like oh, these were only found on hunting stuff or whatever on tweed jackets. No, you found them on gabardine. You see them in cotton, like these like. That, that's a great example, uh, or the best example is probably a Clark Gable suit, and it, it happened one uh, yeah. night, where he's wearing, like, a three-piece suit, which technically, you know, is technically formal, but it's got, like, a two, it's like a two-button jacket with triple bellow pockets, like, and, like, an action back, so it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I know we've talked to Kyoshi about this, I know he's listening, but, like, oh, you can't do, like, 
patch pockets with a peak lapel. But people did that all the time back in the day. <laughs> Again, to your credit, it might not be good, you know, but the fact is people did it. You know, you had, I mean, Jimmy Stewart had four patch pa- uh, four patch pockets on a, on a single-breasted peach lapel jacket. A peach lapel, peak lapel jacket. <laughs> I, lo- you know, I love a peach lapel You had jacket. four patch pocket double-breasted jackets. Sometimes yeah. they did it on six on, on two. So you did have like a weird thing where like the, where the breast button met the patch pocket which looks bad but they still <laughs> did it because it's just fuck it you know they just had all this really cool stuff you also had like okay you think that that uh, that uh, uh uh pleated backs are, are practical okay what's the practicality to a pleated front no reason but it's just it's cool. just there yeah it's just there you had it like yeah right where like the dart like where the dart the front darts end and it's just like a fun detail that you just don't see anymore you know and, and the thing is is like the rest of the suit is pretty conservative i mean three roll three button jacket two button jacket dbs and they had the stuff you know a nice straight leg trouser probably in like a plain fabric or maybe like a flecked fabric or pinstripe mm-hmm. or whatever but other than that it was a pretty normal thing you know yeah. you see this advertised in in catalog sometimes even saw it in esquire man um you know it's just it's really just so fascinating to see how much fun these people did. You know, with Esquire, it was like all about the styling of it. You know, putting all these different, you know, patterns of shirts and jackets, wearing it together. But then now you have like the, the just straight up from the construction design standpoint of like just making it different. I mean, you also had like Diamond Weave. Like that was like novelty weaves in general were such a big thing too. Mm-hmm. You know, like Diamond Weave um, tweeds. Like diag- crazy diagonal weave suits as well. Oh yeah, like um, our, yeah, like um. I mean, yeah. I I don't know if we can just like post fit it photos of like Mark Chevalier, but he has like a he has like a crazy like nineteen twenties like diagonal weave double breasted suit. Yeah. Um, that man, like I think I saw that thing in person, and it's like insane. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. Actually, did I? This is not anything breaking but i was walking out of my tailor and i saw him i don't know if he just straight up avoided me but i also was wearing workout clothes and my hair was messy i'm wearing a mask mm. but i saw him there holding a palm beach jacket he's on his cell phone and i think he's oh. waiting for me to leave like the uh um the tailor because <laughs> i because you know only one or two people in there at a time so he's probably just waiting out because he's down the street so i walked back to my car and i saw him he saw me leave and he walked in and i was like should I have said anything? I don't know. But yeah, that guy is some Fun. crazy. I mean, um, that's what. And hey, speaking cool. speaking yeah. of Palm Beach, you know, I think we oh. can like. So this is a good way to kind of illustrate like you know the mythos that comes with vintage. So Palm Beach was this was this company that existed for like a very long time, like up until I mean, technically up until like the seventies or eighties, probably as right? a company brand, as a yeah. company brand. But they had this proprietary fabric that. When did they start making it? Did you see? Yeah, it in your... I got this. So basically, yeah. there's a we can link this in the description or in the uh, show notes here. But so in 1912, this proprietary fabric was made of was had a cotton warp and a mohair weft. But and yeah, it was... And it was this like proprietary like summer fabric that now is highly valued by collectors. Yeah. Um, it mostly because the factory like burned down in the fifties and they had never made it back. Yeah. Yeah. They like, I think the original like recipe recipe, like the original composition, like the exact original composition I think has been lost. So that's another reason, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's funny because it's like, 
Well, you and I both have like Palm Beach stuff. Uh, and again, what's interesting is like we've kind of like discovered is Palm Beach as like uh, as a singular entity, like never really existed. Because yeah, because I mean, yeah. so I'll, let me read it off here. So yeah, it was a fi- it was the uh, proprietary fabric that people collect uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Nineteen twelve, cotton warp and mohair weft. In nineteen forty one, it was reformulated to make the fabric softer and lighter. So Spencer has one that is kind of not heavier, but it's a lot rougher from it's from like yeah. the early thirties. Um, but so the thing is, nineteen forty one, the precise content is unknown, but likely included the addition of rayon into the cotton warp and mohair weft. And by the late forties, it was cotton, mohair, and rayon. Uh, the precise content uh, percentage is dependent on the fabric's application, yeah. like what you are making it for, and the region of the country in which it was sold. So mm-hmm. uh, a Palm Beach necktie. So they made this into neckties. They made it into like. Uh, you could see that in like some military uniforms made of Palm Beach fabric, and but more commonly, it's trousers, sport coats, and suits. It was 50% Rayhan, 32% mohair, 12% cotton, and 6% nylon. So this is a good yeah. example of like a, a novelty proprietary fabric, kind of similar maybe to like nowadays to like balloon from from um, from ring jacket. Although that one is more of how you weave it because it's still made out of just regular wool. It's not really like a cool blend of anything. Um, but yeah, see, it's just back then they just had so much fun with shit, and, you know? And, and I mean, the other, so I mean, the other thing about like Palm beach is now, I mean, now a lot of examples don't exist, but if you look through catalogs, like most of the ones that you've seen, if you are a vintage collector, chances are you've seen like a Palm beach suit. And most of the ones you've seen have just been like plain white. But again, if you look at catalogs, they make them like in patterns. They made black like Palm Beach suits and black linen suits. And it's it's once again this thing where because like most men had to wear suits during the summer, it was the thing of like, okay, well, we're, you know, we're just going to make fun summer suits. Like if you want to wear like a plaid suit in the middle of the summer, like a brown plaid suit in the middle of the summer, you know, you're not going to get a tweed suit. You're not like the fucking Great Gatsby movie. You're going to get like a brown plaid, like Palm Beach or some other like summer weave. Exactly. And it's also on that same, on that same uh, through line. If you want to have something that has fucking patch pockets because you want some easy access, like... You would just put that on your pinstripe suit. You would just put that on the, oh, you want to move around? Well, I'll ask my tailor made to order. Get me like a Navy suit with a fucking belt back so I can move around, you know? Mm-hmm. There was just so much stuff in there that p- uh, kind of shows you that even though they maybe they weren't as stylish as we think they are, maybe we're idealizing a little bit, they had this es- the, this, this sense of practicality and force versatility. And yeah. since things were, there was radio to wear, but most stuff was like made to measure, made to order, where... They kind of just put the stuff that they wanted onto their clothing. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they kind of made it work for them. Um, and that, that idea is something that we try to, you know, keep alive nowadays. You know, it's kind of sad that this whole thing is kind of more of a niche. Like, like and these niches are, there's like niches within niches. I mean, it's not just yeah. about like the detail in the jacket, but like there are a lot of styles that are, that are like, uh, that incorporate those details, like like vintage like cycling attire, where you had like these these short jackets weren't like the Ricky jackets that you normally see. They also weren't leather jackets, but they had like a specific look where like they had twin mm-hmm. breast pockets, short length, crazy zippers on them. You know where you don't there isn't like oh it's not like American motorcycle leather jacket. It's also not like a workwear thing. It's it's its own thing. It's like yeah. vintage skiing wear where like you had vintage ski suits. We put that in the Esquire article where a guy's like. 
there's a guy wearing a belted like three like three button navy suit and they they were saying how this is a ski suit so like the trousers are meant to be like tucked into the ski boots um the jacket is cut shorter so you can move around better it was a dedicated thing that looks kind of like a business suit that has just like patch pockets or whatever but it's meant for skiing it's it's crazy you know and it's it's you know hopefully this essay just shows and, and the uh and the um uh, show notes just show you just how much of a variety there was in yeah. menswear and how hopefully with the post-pandemic thing, this is a big ask, but hopefully we get to go into the stage at the very least be able to wear your clothes with this mindset of like, you know what? I yeah. am going to use these patch pockets. You know what? I am going to get like a fun um, bold st- commission, a fun like Dobby stripe shirt, but then wear it with like a knit tie. So it doesn't seem as crazy, you know, kind of bring this idea alive of, of, just how fun and creative vintage tailoring was and uh-huh. or or make you get an appreciation of vintage get get a better expand your mind of how it is and maybe start collecting it you know it's just it's just really cool exactly and i mean i think the other thing is you can learn from this is even if you're into classic menswear which you know i guess we're having an episode uh, upcoming that gets into what exactly that means you don't have to be so concerned with all this this minutia and all these rules yeah um i think yeah if you are into classic menswear like just take classic pieces and wear them how you want you know that's that's all you got to do and uh, and if this doesn't show you a lot of stuff that we think is classic i mean what you probably want to say is you like conservative menswear if that's what you want to do say that but if when you like classic or vintage there is so much in there that if you have an open mind will get let you get an appreciation this is how looking at all of this stuff makes us go like you know oh i an engineered garments bedford jacket oh that looks like a 30s you know peak lapel uh chore jacket that has like the um the quadruple patch pocket that Jimmy Stewart has. It's like, whoa, that's crazy. Or the easy pants that are super high-waisted, uh, you know, that we have, you know, that's, like, really wide. Oh, those are, like, gaucho pants from, like, the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. you know. All of these shoes, like, uh, that's why we like Yucatan. That's why we like pair boot because the, you see the examples here, you know. And people did do it, you know. And, and seeing it here expanded in, like, regular catalogs, series catalogs, photographs. It is. It just shows you that like nothing really is, as we said in the Esquire one, nothing really is new under the sun, and it should hopefully inspire you to uh, to kind of get into it, experiment a little bit, yeah. and kind of have an expanded thing in your style. If not, just take at least cues on how to combine the pieces that you already own. You know, because chances are you're probably not going to find this stuff and the tailor is probably not going to do this stuff for you. I mean, again, like with stuff like rah-rah suits, like we're not yeah, recommending maybe, people no, not that, that wear them. It's just, it's just one of the, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to do this research because as we said, like none of this stuff exists. None of this, there's no school that teaches this. There's no like YouTube channels that are like, you know, have a curriculum about the history of like men's clothing that goes this deep. It's just, you know, it's just a thing that, we enjoy doing we like yeah clothes it's just it's just like, cool it's fun to learn about the history of clothes yeah and opinion. you know at the end of the day for us you know as as we as we as every podcast episode kind of goes to as uh man i can't even talk right now i'm dying here <laughs> but as we introspect more about this topic and everything it's kind of clear that what we like about vintage isn't just period accuracy it's just about fucking looking at cool clothes man and who doesn't yeah. like to do that exactly uh, hopefully and as look- i've yeah and as i've said before I think knowing the history of your garment can help you uh, help you pair it because if you like say you get 
you know, like a leather jacket, like a specific type of leather jacket, you can say, even if you're not planning on wearing it like you're a World War II aviator, you could look at it and say, okay, is this a workwear style or a military style? Like what kind of person would have worn this back in the day? And I think that can help you either subvert it or play into those and, you know, and subvert it. Those there vibes. are pictures of guys wearing it with a bunch of other exactly. stuff too like that's the whole thing about this right like there's but just yeah if you if you know where your garment came from i think it makes it easier to you know figure out how to wear it yeah because uh no offense to well maybe plenty of offense but regular menswear is not going to give you that like it's, mm-hmm. it's it's fun to look at the old pictures and just see that back then they were just treating us cool clothes they just like to wear you know yeah so take a look at the essay that I wrote. Probably not going to be a long one. Probably just going to be like, I love vintage. And here's here's some cool pictures because I'm not going to go into the history of each one. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of pictures that we've included here. Uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed uh, looking at them. Um, and hopefully it gives you like that kind of expanded mindset that we've always been talking about. But if you want to talk about it with us, I mean, also sometimes um, we find cool images. We just post them uh, for people to see it. They see that in our Discord the sound direction right. discord the best menswear community in the universe um we keep we keep talking about it on we keep talking about stuff that happens in the discord on the podcast yeah <laughs> and, so you can have to, you can have to uh, join in man that's why you got to get in there I yeah patreon.com slash sound direction five dollars a month gets you access to that discord um you know we we host our streams and that we play video games whatever we're all we're all cool we're all we're all jimmied don't know what that means neither do i yeah uh but anyway if you give us ten dollars um we really appreciate it that's a little extra five dollars for for us and some food for you um but those five dollars does give you uh the status as a sad cast fanatic so i thank you for those ten dollar donations from austin malott shane curry philip gregard audrey jessica jeremy ostriker jared colian and james devonzo we really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being our sad cast ten dollar tier patron, very much. whatever. Um, if you guys uh, don't want to do that, it's okay. Uh, Spencer, what can they do if they don't want to give us money? Uh, you can rate us five stars on iTunes and leave us a review. Um, that that pleases the algorithm, and we need it to. Please, grow. I'm the algorithm. Give me five stars. And don't you want to give the algorithm five stars? The algorithm. Wait, no. Why, why am I making him I German? He's not German. He's he's Russian. Sure. Yeah, you know, Sator. Al- oh, okay. I thought we were talking about algorithm, the oh, oh, character sorry. that we just came up with. Oh yeah, I'm algorithm. That's it. yeah. Um, yeah, five stars. We'd really appreciate it. We also stream on Twitch uh, Wednesdays and Sundays. Yep, it's Wednesdays and Sundays. That's right. It is Wednesdays and Sundays. Yeah, we've we've decided forever now. Mm-hmm. Um, don't hold us to it. Um, but yeah, twitch.tv slash Style Direction. Follow us on Instagram at Style Direction, all spelled out here. Um, go to uh, go go there if you want to see some clips of this. Uh, if you haven't listened to the episode, but also the images of what we're talking about. Um, you can follow me at Ethan M Wong. I'm Spencer DSO. And go to a little bit of rest.com because that's my blog. It's it's a separate entity, but it's also not really. It's kind of a weird, fun. Uh, it's like. Uh, Who knows what it is? I yeah. I'm trying to think of an, a, an example. Like a, po- a political example of like a company. Or, like or, or like a business example, too. I mean. Who knows? It's like a shell <laughs> company, st- kind of, right? Where like you, you don't go. own it, but you also you do, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, follow us there, uh, and have some fun with us. Have some fun, guys. <laughs> please have fun. Please, please feed me. I'm the I'm the algorithm. I'm the algorithm. 
I'm Algorithm. Yeah, Algorithm, the new character. We need some fan art of of him. Yeah, draw him. I I swear this. Okay. If you guys submit it, any any submissions, I will po I'll post it on the sad on the sad uh, account. I will I, I as as a, as a static in feed post. Okay, so <laughs> submit it. This is an open thing. I don't even know who's still listening to it, but yeah. if you got it, I'm gonna uh, shout well, you out. Algorithm can look like whatever you want. Make it safe for work. We don't want it to be removed from from Instagram. Oh, okay? that's true. Yeah, yeah. No, if it's like something offensive or like something that Instagram will ban, I guess we won't post it. But yeah, yeah. You know, but with it, make it make it silly, poses. not racist or 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 uh-huh. uh, or nude or something. Yeah, or both. <laughs> <laughs> the racist, nude. Racist, racist nude. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks, MJ, for po- producing the podcast. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye.